Hey, I get the privilege right now of introducing um, our speaker for today. We told you last week that, that Pastor Ron and LaDon were coming today and, and uh, bragged him up last Sunday. Um, and I'm going to brag him up again today uh, because um, when, when the board said, what do you want for pastor appreciation? I said, I want you to bring somebody else to preach. <laughs> I said, you want to appreciate Lee? Let me sit down there for one Sunday. And, uh, um, and they said, who? And I gave them a very short list. I said, there's very few people. And, uh, and so Ron was right at the top of the list. And um, Ron has just been, Ron and LaDon, because they're their ministry team, have just been, and this is the best way I can describe it, rocks in Wisconsin Northern Michigan District of the Assemblies of God for a long time. I'm not trying to make you feel old. You're not. But a long time. From the day I came into this district, um, when there was an issue um, that had to be dealt with, when there was a policy that had to be made, when there was a direction and a, and a stand that had to be taken in any of our district stuff, it was Ron who was at the forefront. And God has used him and Ladon, I really believe this, to just help keep our district and cause our district of, of churches, almost 200 churches, to go in the right direction. Um, Ron's one of the guys that are smart that make you feel dumb. You know, that like he gets up and speaks and you go, yeah, I'm glad Ron got up and said that because he said it a whole lot better. And so Ron has just been a voice for God, for godliness, um, for Pentecost in our district. And uh, so um, he's coming in today to talk to us about, uh, I think about pastors. I'm not even sure what he's going to preach on, but, but about pastors and just about the ministry of, of, of pastoring. And uh, has a great history in pastoring. Pastored, first of all, started off in our, in our national headquarters in Missouri and then ended up being the pastor at Racine for a long time. And then went from there and was voted in our district office and served as a, just a kind of a, a capacity as a secretary of our district, um, which is not what we think of as a secretary. They don't type. <laughs> they take care of all the legal and important stuff of the district. And so Ron and, and LaDon have served in these capacities forever. And uh, they've just been a great, great blessing to myself personally and to our district. So I want to welcome Pastor Ron to come up this morning. Give him a hand. Pastor Mark, I, I think he just said I was as old as dirt. It uh, kind of came out that way. but. Uh... <laughs> Well, I am 71 years old, so I'm getting close to the age of, uh, of dirt. So, Hey, it is so good to be with you people this morning, and especially on this occasion. I, I've had opportunity to be a little bit involved with this church in the past. When you went through a pastoral transition some years back, a few years back, I was still in the office and met with some of your uh, people involved in a search committee and, and uh, gave some in, input to that process. A good choice. You all made a great choice uh, in your Pastor Mark life. <laughs> I want, I want uh, LaDonna to just stand for a moment, at least to know who she is. She uh, is my partner in ministry and has been for 50 years. We had our 50th anniversary. And our, some of our, relation, our contacts with your pastor has, goes back to a time when we were in, in a small group of pastors meeting in each other's homes, moving around the, the area where we came from. And I, I will never forget some of the sessions we had sitting in your living room as we kind of found out a little bit about each other and found out some things about others in the group that we had no, no knowledge of how God had worked in their lives. And I, I cherish those relationships. I want you, uh, Suzanne, I want you and Mark to know that today. Well, Pastor Appreciation Day. <laughs> it's a very special day for us as pastors. And yet, I have to admit that as a pastor, I, I served for 21 years in Racine. Uh, as a pastor, I, I always found this day to be... A little awkward. 
it's a little like wanting, you know, kind of trying to figure out if you're going to have to plan your own surprise birthday party. <laughs> you, you just, you don't want to have to do that. You, you, you sort of hope that the uh, church leadership, uh, pastors, deacons, or however you call uh, they, they got that letter that the district office sends out about this time of the year saying, hey, you ought to do something special for your, your pastors. It's a pastor appreciation month or time of the year. Uh, you hope they got that and they've got something going, but you don't want to have to ask them uh, and, and you don't want to have to help plan it for them. I, I am glad that your church, your deacon board, uh, took the lead in this. And they said, hey, what can we do and how can we make this a special day for you? And I, I appreciate that. I believe these pastors do as well. Uh, we're here to honor today Pastor Mark Larson as senior pastor. We're here to honor his wife, Suzanne, as your worship pastor. Uh, we're here to honor uh, Paul uh, Welch, your children's and junior high pastor. We're, we're here to, as well for senior high and worship pastor Mitch uh, Lewick and for Christian Education, Small Group Development, Pastor Chris, and uh, also your Associate Pastor Peter, uh, Pete Fisher and his wife. Uh, as a congregation, we want you pastors who are in the service this morning to know that this congregation holds you in high esteem. They want to honor you and they want to bless you today, and that's what this day is about. So I want to talk to you a little bit this morning as a congregation about the ministry of pastoring, who they are, how they function, what their responsibilities are, what the instructions in God's Word are regarding them, and then consequently also God's instructions regarding us as a congregation in our response and responsibility to them. I want to take as a text this morning a passage from Mark, from Luke, uh, excuse me, I'll get it right yet, from Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7. In fact, you should find in your bulletin a little bit of an outline if you haven't uh, Look there already. If you want to follow along, you're welcome to do that. And there's a few places for you to jot down a word or two that uh, just kind of see if you're still tracking with us here. From Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Father, I ask for your help in ministry this morning. I want the words that come from my lips to come from your heart as well. Lord, I want them to fall on open and, and ready ears to hear and a responsive and willing heart to obey. I ask for this in the name of Jesus by the help and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. 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 I want to try and give you a little bit of a biblical portrait of a pastor today. When I talk about the word, when I mention the word pastor, immediately things, someone like your senior pastor, other pastors you've served under, your staff pastors, those, those are the people who come to mind. And in many different denominations and backgrounds and, and traditions that you come from, they, they may have been called uh, reverend, they may have been called uh, father, they may have been called priest, they may have been called padre, bishop, uh, Preacher, parson, whatever term might have been applied. But these are the, the people that God has placed in leadership in the local church. We want to talk about them. The, the New Testament, in fact, uses three different terms in trying to give us a picture of what the pastor functions and his personality and his ministry is. There's three Greek words that I'm going to give you. I know a little Greek, you see. Uh, he ran most of the restaurants in my town. Uh, <laughs> I, I know a little Hebrew, too. He had the tailor shop next, next door. 
Now, I'm not the Greek student that uh, some others are, but uh, these words have some significance to them, the three Greek words. The first of these is the word episkopos. This is a, a word that is translated as one or means one who oversees or supervises or inspects or has responsibility for the work of others. And again, depending on the, the Bible version that you, you may be looking at or, the, or passages you may read, you'll find this word in, translated as elder or pastor or bishop or overseer. A similar word coming from a slightly different Greek word, presbyter, presbyteros. This is a word that is most often used by the various writers of the New Testament uh, regarding the person that God placed in the office of pastor. I want to distinguish something a little bit this morning between the office of pastor and the gifting of pastor. These are the, are the people that God put in those positions as leaders in that office. Now, there's another way in which the Bible speaks of pastoring, and that is in reference to the gift of pastoring. And the word there is the Greek word poimen, which uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, means to shepherd or one who tends the flock, a leader, a feeder of, of God's people. They are under shepherds. They serve under the oversight of the great shepherd, as, as Jesus is called in 1 Peter chapter 5. And they serve under the leadership of the local elder or pastor in charge of that congregation. There's a quick definition there in your notes of the, the gift of pastoring. It's the special ability that God gives certain members of the body to assume long-term personal responsibility for the spiritual welfare of a group of believers. You see, friends, I believe this morning that not only do you have a group of specially called people to the office of pastoring, but you have others among you, and you might identify yourself there, who also have been gifted with the ministry of pastoring, assuming responsibility and care over a long period of time for a group of believers. That's the gift of pastoring. This gift of pastoring, by the way, is given to many different people, to men, to women. It's not required that they have to have a certain credentialing or ordination. It's not required that they have to have an outstanding public speaking or preaching ability. They can serve in many different ways. They serve sometimes as leaders of small groups. They serve as mentors of new converts, for example. They are maybe Sunday school teachers. They may help lead the children, youth, adult ministries of the church. These people also, some of you, have that gift of pastoring. Then the verse that I read as a text today has still a, a third view of those who are pastors and leaders. And it's, in again, in, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, where the word is uh, hegeomai, which re refers to those who are a leader or a governor or a ruler. And here it conveys the idea of someone, a leader, who goes before you. A leader who, who leads by their own example. Someone who has a, a, a powerful impact and, a, and is a, a strong influence in your life. And again, that certainly describes this group of pastors, your senior pastor, his wife, and others who serve with him in that office as your leaders going before you, setting a course of action. Now, when you, when you combine these three words, you, you, you get a more complete picture of who the pastor is. They are men and women who have been called to an office of leadership and supervision in the local church. 
They are the ones left in charge of the work of the kingdom of God as it's carried out in the local church. They are also blessed with some outstanding natural skills and abilities, but they also are empowered by the Holy Spirit with special giftings of the Holy Spirit, gifts of leadership, gifts of pastoring, gifts of faith, and other related gifts in that area. They are also then the movers and the shakers in our lives. They leave their impact on our lives. They leave a mark on our lives in a positive way, not only for this world and this life, but even for the world to come. These are the people we are honoring today, your pastors. Now, let's talk a little bit about how we can appropriately honor and bless those serving in these ministry positions. There are three things I want to point out that I think it begins, first of all, with having a high respect and a high regard for their office, their calling. The Bible gives special recognition and respect to those who serve as pastors. Paul said to his young friend, his young church leader, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he said this, Someone who aspires to be a pastor has set their sights on a noble, an honorable position. It's a good thing to want to do this. In the fifth chapter of 1 Timothy, it also says this, The elders or pastors who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor especially those who work in preaching and teaching. Peter, John, Paul occasionally uh, considered the office of pastoring one of high calling and often referred to themselves in this way. Peter says, I too am a shepherd of the flock. Paul, John says, I'm writing to you as, as your elder. I'm writing to you as your pastor. Paul used that term as well as, long, as along with the term of calling himself an apostle. The pastor's leadership position is also to be guarded and respected. Paul again said to Timothy, don't even listen to an accusation against an elder or pastor unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. We are to highly regard and give special honor to those who serve in this position. Then we, I, I think it's important that we recognize some of the special requirements and qualifications of those who serve in this office. Paul, again, 1 Timothy, that's why we call this one of the pastoral epistles, one of the pastoral letters, because he's writing and leaving instructions to Timothy, and another of those is the, the book of Titus, in which he leaves instructions on how the church is to function and what its leadership is to be like. And in that, again, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse, beginning with verse 2, he says, an elder or a pastor must be a man or woman whose life is above reproach, he must be faithful to his wife or spouse. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home. He must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. Some very important requirements that are laid out here. In verse 6, he goes on to say, An elder or a pastor should not be a new believer, because he might become proud and the devil might cause him to fail. Because pastors and, and other credentialed leaders are, are to be held to a higher standard when problems do occur and, and there is a fall, uh, the consequences likewise are more severe. Paul again gives 
Timothy instructions on how to do this. He says in verse five, uh, 20 of, of chapter 5, those pastors who sin should be rep- reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. So along with the high requirements comes some high expectations and some serious consequences. So we're to respect their office, we're to recognize their special qualifications and, and requirements, and then we are to respond to their leadership. Again, back to Hebrews chapter 13. The writer there tells us several things we're to do for them. In verse 7, we are told to remember them and to imitate them. Again, the verse I read, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. What are we to remember about them? We're we're to remember that they are the ones who led us to Christ. There are those of you in this congregation today who can point to your pastors and say, that's the man, that's the woman. Those are the people that brought me to a faith in Jesus Christ. And for that you are, and I I ought to be continually and eternally grateful for the fact that they led you to Jesus. And never forget that. They are the ones that had that impact on your life. And, And everything has changed from that point on for you for all time and eternity and you ought to be grateful and I know you are then he says you to remember also that they taught the word to you when your pastor steps in this pulpit and others across this uh, uh, facility this morning and other times step to a place of leadership and ministry they are giving you God's word they are laying out they are breaking the bread of life to you they are making it palatable for you. They are putting it in a way that you can understand it, accept it, apply it into your life. And again, that is an absolutely essential ministry that you need in your life. So remember that they led you to Christ. Remember that they taught you the Word. And then Paul's the writer of the Hebrews here says, you ought to also imitate them. And he explains what you're to imitate. You're to imitate the outcome. You're to, to look at the results of their lives. And you're to imitate the practical way in which they showed you how to live. And what they laid before you as a path for you to go. Obey them. Imitate them. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says that next point. We are to obey them. In that verse it says obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. This is, again, part of the responsibility. They have an oversight. They have have to give an account before God for how they will have led you. And that task will be easier if they find their congregation to be uh, willing to follow their leadership. Don't make it... Don't make it hard for them. Don't hassle them. Don't give them a hard time. In fact, Paul says nobody, the writer of Hebrews rather says, nobody benefits from that kind of a relationship. You don't benefit. The pastor struggles with it. Don't make it difficult for them. Obey them. And then he also says in, in the word that we're to, to see that they are well taken care of. Going back again to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well especially those who work hard in both preaching and teaching. And then quoting from from Moses and from, from Jesus himself, in the next verse Paul goes on and says, For the scripture says, You must not muzzle an ox or keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. In another place, those who work deserve their pay. So don't be like... Don't be like that old deacon in praying for his pastor said, Lord, you keep him humble and we'll keep him poor. (laughs) 
Instruction of the word is you're to do the very best you can by the people that God has placed in leadership. They are to be well taken care of. They deserve anything and everything you can give them. They are, they are in that position. And by the way, that includes not only the, 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 what comes in the, in the weekly or monthly paycheck. That includes other ways in which churches can benefit their pastors. Let me just tell you from a pastor's heart. One of, one of the best things you can do for your pastors is occasionally give them some extended time away. You say, I, I, you get your day off, I'm sure, and, and they take that. But I, I'll tell you what, you don't, you don't shed the burden of pastoring by just kind of sitting around the house for a day mowing the lawn and, and clipping the hedge and, uh, and maybe taking a little trip out of town. That only happens when you can have some extended times. Why I am so grateful for the fact that my church during my years there saw the need for me to have extended times away, gave me sabbaticals where I could be gone from my church for a period of three, four, six, once, two months at a time. To just kind of break away from all of that and then have that time to just refresh and restore. At one point I said, well, during my time away I'd like to do, I'd like to do some thinking about the future and maybe jot down some. And they said, no, 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 Pastor, that's not why we're sending you away. We just want you to go away to rest, to get your mind off of everything and anything, and just have that time alone. I want to tell you, that's some of the most valuable benefit you can give. And it costs, it costs literally nothing. In a multiple staff church, you have others who can step in and fill the, the position of preaching and others who can give some leadership in the interim. That's a, that's a great, great benefit that you can offer in taking good care of your pastors. And then lastly, we're to pray for them. Paul was constantly calling on his readers to pray for him. There's one example of that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. He said, pray for me when I speak, that God will give me words so that I can tell the secret of the good news without fear. Pray for me. Pray for me. Another occasion, Paul is recounting, in this case, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he's recounting, all the hard times he went through about beatings and being shipwrecked and, and imprisoned and, and gone without food and, and gone cold and, and hungry. And he said, and then in verse 28 of that chapter, he says, Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. I want to tell you this morning, folks, there is no occupation I know of that brings with it the same sense of burden as that felt by a pastor. You have many occupations represented here today. And I, every job has got its, its, its upside and its downside. But I want to tell you, from, again, from personal experience, there is nothing that compares to what a minister, a pastor, who has a true heart for his people, feels in regard to his burden and concern for them. You see, a, a doctor's mistakes, uh, if they're serious, they're, they're buried. A, a lawyer's mishandling of a case may result in someone going to jail. When a pastor messes up, it could well mean that somebody ends up in hell. And I want to tell you, that is not an easy burden to have laying on your heart. I'll never forget, Pastor Mark, I'll never forget the day that I agreed to take another position besides senior pastoring and stepped out of that role. All of a sudden, something lifted off of me. 
and I didn't even realize how, how heavily it had been there for all those years. But once it was gone and I had resigned and, and made my decision to move to another type of ministry, that burden was gone. And that's the reason why you need to pray with and for your pastors. Because they carry that. And it is a very real, palpable thing, unlike any other job or occupation I know of. In that regard, let me say that when it comes to the matter of prayer for your pastors, let me encourage you not only to pray for them, but with them. You see, it's one thing that, you know, I, have a, I had a great congregation of people, and I knew that they were praying for me. I, I knew that I was somewhere on their prayer list for the day. But there was something even more important about knowing that when an opportunity came for us to gather together for prayer, that they would come and not only pray for me, but would pray with me. There's a verse in Acts chapter 4, I think it's verse 26, 24, that says, and they, they lifted their voices together in prayer. I want to tell you, when, you, when I had people surrounding me in a prayer time, a pre-service prayer time, or some special prayer meetings that we would call, to know that there were some others who would lift their voice together with mine did something to strengthen me and empower me in a way that just knowing someone was somewhere praying for me couldn't do. I'll never forget how much I appreciated 7.30 on Sunday morning. We had a two-service schedule. It began at 8 and 7.30. A group of guys, a couple of gals came into my outer office. And Dick and, and uh, Marty and Bob and Sherry, and I could still see their faces would gather around me in that outer office of mine and, and lay their hands on me and pray God's power and God's anointing on me for that day of ministry. Hey, listen, I went out of there feeling like I could charge hell with a squirt gun. I mean, that's that empowerment that came from somebody being there to pray with me and lay their hands on me. It was a part of our responsibility in, in responding to our pastors. Now, can I just wrap up with a, a few quick thoughts? on how you as families and as leaders of your family can enable your pastors to do the best job that God has called them to do. I just want to touch on three very quick things here in some practical ways. Will you as, past, as families work together with your pastors in supporting their ministry? I suggest you support the programs that they lead by your attendance. See, here's what I know. The best ministries of my church, the best ministries of this church, of any church, are not going to be effective unless people are there to benefit from them. You've got some great youth leaders and children's leaders in your, on your pastoral staff, and they work hard to, to run a great program, and yet that program won't do one bit of good unless your kids are there. And here's what I know about that. By and large, children will tend to be no more regular, no more involved, no more faithful to the church than their parents are. They will take their cue as to what's important by how their parents direct and, and plan their lives. And so if, if Susie's got a, a sniffle on Sunday morning and the whole family has to stay home to be sure that Susie's nose gets, gets rubbed and wiped occasionally. But on... Monday morning, Susie can be hacking a cold and a cough that would break your heart and everybody just kind of goes about their day and their mom and dad and everybody goes off to work. 
And that says something about the relative importance of those two days. You see, you set the example of that. And sometimes you're going to have to help your children in, in making some decisions. You have to assist them in making decisions about what's going to take priority in their lives and in your lives as a family. If they lack the maturity and judgment to make the right call, then you have to make it for them. That's why God put you there. He puts you there, by the way, not just to entertain them, but to train them. And sometimes those decisions won't always be popular. And you may have to make some decisions with your children about what's going to be more important, getting a job or being available when some of the ministries of the church are going on. Important call. Again, it reflects something of the values that you really hold. You, t you support their programs. They, they lead them by your attendance. We already talked about this, but you support their, them as persons by your attitude. The Bible teaches that pastors, teachers, and other leaders are God's gift to the church. And your children, our children, need to learn to give proper respect to the offices they hold and the ministries that they perform. They won't be right all the time. Nobody ever is. But you honor them and respect them regardless. And again, these are lessons both best learned by example. I first came out of seminary. My first position was at what used to be called Bethel Tabernacle in Milwaukee. Now it's, it's a church that's moved out to New Berlin and it's uh, Poplar Creek. When I came there fresh out of seminary, it's an old Bethel Tabernacle, if you know anything about it, it was an old German church. And strong German families and, and very respectful. I, I came in as their first youth pastor. I followed their last German pastor. So that will tell you what my competition was. Uh, and, and those kids were all very, very respectful to, to LaDonna and me as their, as, as their youth pastor. But there was one family. One family, two or three kids all in youth group at the same time that were just outstanding in how they responded to, to us as a, as a couple as, and me as a leader. And I wondered why, because the dad was kind of average, maybe just a tad below. Uh, don't tell him I said that. But, uh, but nothing outstanding about the family themselves until we were invited to their home one Sunday night after a service and activity and just sitting around visiting, having fellowship. And all of a sudden the dad got, we were in I think a kind of a family room and all of a sudden, the dad got up and he just kind of said something to the kids for a moment. And they all sort of disappeared and he closed the doors. And he just said, Ron, I just asked the kids to leave. for. I have, a couple, I have just a couple questions I want to, I want to ask you about, about programs or ministries at church. He said, I, I don't want the kids to, to think that I have any, any serious doubts about, about what's happening here. I want, I want my kids to think this is the best church and, and you're the best youth pastor. The only one, but the, the, the best. Uh, <laughs> And I, so I just asked him to step off for a minute. And then I realized why that family of kids was so outstandingly respective of us, respectful of us, is because in that home, they never, ever heard one word said in any way in discouragement regarding their pastor, their youth pastor, their leadership, their team, their ministries. You see, you teach that. You teach that respect for the persons of the leadership by your, by your own uh, attitude. And then lastly, you, you, support, you support their 
They're preaching by your actions. These children will accept the values taught by the church only when they see those values practiced in the lives of their parents. But you see, at home, among family and friends, the masks and the facades tend to fall away, and we are known for what we really are. And my prayer is that, that they will see that we as people, uh, that we are a group of people, we are a group of pastors, uh, parents rather, who know him and love him and are doing everything we can within our power to live for him on a daily basis. Now, our, our kids don't expect perfection of us as parents. They, they gave up on that a while back. But what they do have a right to expect is to see that when, when we make some mistakes as we do, that we're as ready and willing to admit to those mistakes as, as we want them to be when they have offended us or each other. You know, one of our kids gets in an argument with a sibling. We grab him by the neck and we say, you say you're sorry, you apologize. And we, we wring an apology out of them one way or another. Sometimes it doesn't go very far, but we got it. Well, I want to tell you, there were some times when as a dad, I had to make that same commitment to apology as well. More times than I care to remember, I had to tiptoe into the bedroom of our girls before they went to sleep and say, Chris, Carmen, I'm sorry. I, 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 I was in a bad mood today, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I, I need you to forgive me. And they, they say, yeah, yeah, Dad, it's okay. It's okay. You know, there were then some times when I would kneel right there at their bedside and pray out loud for them to hear as well as for God and to hear them, to have them hear me say, Lord, I don't sin against my family today, but I sinned against you. And I thank you that they've forgiven me, but I need you to forgive me. And you see, I, I'm just kind of hoping that if they saw that old dad had to get it right with God once in a while, that that would be something they'd be willing and ready to do as well. And I don't know, I don't, I don't lay any claim to this, but I have three kids that are all in full-time ministry today. I have a pastor's wife, a missionary's wife, an associate pastor. Uh, who are serving God in a vocational way. And that's because of the grace of God and a good mom. But maybe a repentant dad had something to do with it as well. An old man going a lone highway came at the evening, cold and gray, through a chasm vast and deep and wide through which was flowing a sullen tide. That sullen stream had no fears for him, in the twilight dim, but he turned when he reached the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man said, a fell pilgrim near, you're wasting your strength in building here. Your journey will end with the ending of day. You never again will pass this way. So now, why build you a bridge at the eventide? The builder lifted his old gray head, good friend, in the path I've come, he said. It follows after me today, youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that has been naught to me, to that fair-haired youth, may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building the bridge for him. And could I suggest to all of you here today, parents, older adults, teenagers, kids, every one of us are in the process of building a bridge, aren't we? And it's a bridge that people coming behind us are going to have to walk over. 
And so is it, is it going to be a bridge that will stand up under that tread of daily walk and daily life, Monday through Saturday kind of living? I don't know about you, but I never had too much trouble living for Jesus on Sunday. I went to church all day. Can't get into too much trouble there. Uh, it's Monday through Saturday. Is it one that stands up under that kind of daily tread? Is it one that stands up under the, the close scrutiny that only home life and family life can give you because nobody knows what happens in the family like the family itself? Is it one that's leading in the right direction toward the right, right goals and, and priorities in life? Is that the kind of bridge you're building? Because if you are, then you and your church have every chance and have every, every possibility for succeeding in what you want to see happen with your kids, with your families, with your friends, with your neighbors. Every possibility in the world, if you will be what they are preaching you to be, then you will succeed in every way. And again, I want to thank you for the opportunity to come and honor your pastors today because these are the people that can help you do the job that you want to see desperately done in the lives of your families. Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this church, this board, to give leadership to a day to honor those who have served them so faithful again this past year. Thank you for these pastors. I thank you for my friend Mark, and I thank you for his wife Suzanne and for the friendship that they've meant to us personally, but the leadership that they've given to the work of the kingdom, not only here but in other places literally around the world. And I, I bless them today, and I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord look with favor upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Lord, I pray your blessing on this congregation, these families. And I thank you for their commitment to you and their commitment to those that you have placed in leadership among them today. For Jesus' sake, amen.